everybody, Nick Gerlich here. Thanks very much for tuning in to Buff Speak during our first season. I've had a blast interviewing a wide variety of guests, and I hope that you've enjoyed tuning in. This episode, number 25 this season, is a special one. It's long, but we probably could have gone on for another two hours at least. It's all about fandom and how two guys are monetizing it in Albuquerque. And this episode also wraps up our first season. I'll be back with more in early September. Enjoy the rest of your summer. And remember, go Buffs! The most famous person uh, I, I would say that has visited the store would be our last uh, actor. It was Mark Margulis, who played, uh, who played uh, Tio Hector on Better Call Saul and Breaking Bad. You're listening to Buff Speak, the official podcast of the Paul and Virginia Angler College of Business at West Texas A&M University. I am Dr. Nick Gerlich, your host, as we meet up with the thought leaders making an impact today. Let's talk about fandom. Fandom has been a huge force in society for many years, but it seems to be intensifying. I've studied this off and on through the years, and I'm just amazed at, at what goes on here, the, the process and so forth. It, it causes people to become fans of sports teams, artists, movies, TV shows, and they're not just fair-weather fans. They become very, very seriously intense fans. They, they dream about it. They plot their course, you know, where they want to go next and everything, and, and it takes over their lives. It causes them to spend large sums of money on team clothing, which they wear to games that have sky-high ticket prices. And many years ago, it caused many to become deadheads and follow the Grateful Dead from city to city. It causes some people to watch movies over and over to the point of memorizing the lines and showing up for midnight screenings of Rocky Horror Picture Show. That's, you know, great fun. And, and it's what caused Comic-Con to exist, really, in the first place, as well as cosplay. And it causes others to become so enamored of a television show that they buy merchandise, sh- uh, join social media groups, binge watch over and over, and even make pilgrimages. Or, as in the case of our guests in this episode of Buff Speak, to open a store in homage to not one, but two shows and one movie. My guests in this special episode of Buff Speak are Mark Smith and Edward Condelaria of Albuquerque, New Mexico, where they opened the Breaking Bad store in the Old Town District. And inside that store, you can find all things Breaking Bad, as well as its prequel, Better Call Saul, and then the sequel movie, El Camino. Mark... Ed, welcome to the show, man. I mean, I, I'd love just listening to you banter over who the, the most famous person to ever cross the threshold. I mean, if that's any indication of how we're going to go from, from here on, it's just going to be an amazing show. Please introduce yourselves so our listeners can at least put a name to the voice. Now, I've hung out with you guys enough to know that you're both very animated and excited when talking about your store and Breaking Bad and all that, which I find very cool. It also means our three voices may wind up on top of one another, which is also cool. Mark, you go first. Well, I'm I'm Mark Smith, uh, so this is my voice. <laughs> Nothing special. Is that? Yeah, that's perfect. We, yeah, that's just, great. Just identify yourself. Yep. Okay. Oh yeah. Um, <clears throat> and I'm Ed Candelaria, uh, the other half of Mark. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, you 
easy to remember, Mark and Ed, just think of M and E. Uh, you just think of me. That's how it goes. That's right. Yeah. Me first, right? <laughs> That's correct. All I right. Would like to point out that, I would like to point out that Nick said your name more Hispanic than you did. I, I did. I know. Nick. I know. I'm pretty good at that. I, um, I'm like the outlier out here. I, I, I sometimes say Amarillo, and they look at me like I'm from another planet. <laughs> <laughs> When you live in Amarillo, you do have to kind of spice it up a little bit. Yeah, well, if you live in Amarillo, you have to say Amarillo. You know, you got to. Amarillo. Yeah, uh-huh. you can't yeah. just give a hard O at the end. Anyway, let's let's get on with the show here. First things first. How the heck did you guys fall in love with Breaking Bad? I mean, the show started filming in '07, debuted early in '08 on AMC, and this was in your backyard. I mean, almost literally, because. The vast majority was filmed right there inside Albuquerque City Limits, utilizing not just a soundstage, but dozens of actual, very recognizable locations. Uh, yes. Um, we this were, we this were, is Ed. Uh, actually, we were not fans. Of, we, it's not like we hated it. We just never watched we it. We were late to the party. Yeah. We, season three? Season two. Season two. We came in on season two. So we actually, this is a story. It's like we went, uh, we had to go to my sister's house uh, to take something or whatever. And she and my and our nephew were watching Breaking Bad. And they were like, have you not seen this? And we're like, no. And she goes, just watch it. And Mark and I were like, meh, whatever. And I don't know. We just uh, we just watched it. Was it on Netflix? Well, we we know it wasn't on Netflix. It was, okay. it was AMC. The AMC, AMC. Did, a, AMC did a marathon before season three came out. Right. And we binge watched season one and two. We're like, holy cow! And I don't binge watch. I don't like binge watch. Yeah, I like don't. to watch every week. Right. And but we couldn't turn it off. Couldn't turn it off. So. And we were hooked. No pun intended. And uh, from there begat. Uh, the beginning of what our descent, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Financial ruin. Just yeah, just... into into the basement of civility. Yeah, you 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 lost it all. So, did you have any other intense fan affinities before this? I mean, I can't Im- I can't imagine this personality trait, which some may say is a defect, and I count myself here as well, laying latent all these years. I mean, it didn't just spring up in midlife, did it? I, I, no, my, my, well, I mean, 92, I think my fandom of Star Trek started. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I mean, I started watching Star Trek back in 80, 84, oh, 86, 85, 86, when Next Generation came out. Um, and I just, that's my first uh, fandom was Star Trek. Yeah. And, and then mine was uh, the Beatles uh, when I was, what, 15? uh so that started from there so mark and i you know we were already big fans of something prior way before this came about so we were already like uh you know we just were big fan i mean mark you know he has a star trek room i have a beetle room this is how crazy we we were already like crazy fans already. we already had that genetic defect we are yes (laughs) we were already defective that's right so it it metastasized basically there you go yes (laughs) At, at what point? Oh, answer reference. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> no pun intended. I'm a little slow on the uptake. <laughs> at, at what point did you realize that Walter White, a.k.a. Heisenberg, had gotten into your blood? How many episodes? Uh, by the third one. The third one. Yeah, that sounds familiar. The one right after the body in the bathtub. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, when we saw the first episode, you know, it just starts right away and and. I, that's when I was like, oh, it, does, it doesn't even like, 
pretend to go slow. It just, you know, you see this RV just drive past you and you're just like, what is going on? You have to keep going. Yeah. So yeah, it, but I think by, like you said, uh, yeah, I think by season, I think by episode three of season one, yeah, I think that's the turning point for most people. I think you're going to get the people who watch the bathtub scene and like, I'm done. Yeah. And then you're gonna, then they're going to see the people who watch the bathtub scene and like, oh my gosh, give me more. Yeah. Please. And yes. that's what we hear all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Clear my calendar. It, I'm watching TV. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So did you find yourself tracking down the filming locations? I mean, they're, they're everywhere. And it, and it must have been so easy since you, you live no. right there. It, it was it was not easy. It was not easy. It was no? not easy. You have to understand, Nick, that when we started doing. Well, wait, wait. The thing was, was we loved the show. Right. And so we decided to do a Facebook group because uh, and it was called the unofficial Breaking Bad fan tour, because a lot of people thought that all of this was all soundstage. So we wanted to show people, no, it's not. But what Mark had to do was out of because there wasn't a lot of other people, I think, with the exception of a couple uh, that were doing these things. So, you know, he had to do his own research. Yeah. So I, I would I would take, you know, take a certain episode, uh, i.e. the combo corner, and then uh, you could find it on Google Maps. And then from there, you kind of recognize certain land you know, landmarks around the city. And when you find those certain landmarks, then you kind of do a Google street map. And then you eventually end up where you needed to be, such as the laundry. Uh, because in one of the episodes of the with the laundry, there was the Ambassador Hotel right across the street. Yeah. And so by finding the Ambassador Hotel, you were able to find the, the laundry and, and so forth. Actually, you're, the, the famous one that I always remember after all these years that what Mark did and I thought, oh, it was genius, was he, we could not locate the White House, right? And what he did was he he saw this, was it a, a cell phone tower behind it or something? Some kind of tower. And he, he pinpointed it and he was like, I think I can go by that. And when he did that, he actually found, we're like, are you effing? Yeah. This is unreal. Because so, because we drive by these locations all the time. I mean, the White House is, what, less than two miles from our current location. And so, you know, when you drive by a location over and over and over again and you see certain landmarks, like he said, the, the cell phone tower, there's a large antenna right there off of Eubank Boulevard. And you're like, okay, wait, I can see the antenna from the house and you can do this. And so you just kind of drive around until you find the house. Yeah. So um, And so he would compile all the addresses and then uh, – he, our sister, our nephew, and and a friend of our nephew and me, like if there was a three-day weekend, we would go and do the Breaking Bad fan tour and take these pictures of us in front of the locations. And then we would do like a photo dump in our Facebook group. And then people would, you know, be like, holy cow, that's really there. It's like, yeah, it's not in a soundstage, you know. So that's what we would do. Well, you know, it's kind of interesting I, I analyzed a lot of these locations as well, and even though I was coming to Albuquerque quite frequently, uh, a lot of times I was uh, do, doing, doing it on Google Street View uh, remotely and doing my best to find them. But after I started really assembling them, uh, not just in list form, but spatially, like on a map— I realized, you know, a lot of this actually makes sense. Like, you could, al- you could almost live this. I mean, Walter White wasn't that far from the, the car wash. It made sense. It was all very doable. Yeah, there were a few exceptions uh, here and there. They had to take some license, and, you know, you do what you got to do to film a show or a movie. But it actually made sense to me that 
um, they did a they did a really good job. Like Combo's Corner, man, there's probably oh at least twelve or fifteen filming locations within a mile of that. Oh yeah, the downtown area of Albuquerque. It's just everything, not just Breaking Bad, Better Call Saul, but all the filming that goes on here in New Mexico. A lot of it is utilized in that downtown area. Yeah. <clears throat> well, excuse me. Uh, but now when you're saying they took license with it, they took. I think when Better Call Saul came around, they took a lot more license. Yes, they did. Things from places, yeah. you know, Chuck leaving his house and start walking down the street in downtown and ending up over in the mountains uh, for yeah. the grocery. Oh store. yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. My my biggest uh, criticism, and I know this is stupid uh, because it. it this is television, okay? Uh, was uh, late in season five when Walt is in panic mode and trying to get out to the the cook side at Tahajali, and he's uh, driving west on the one ways, you know, uh, copper and lead. It's like, well, that's stupid. He should have just taken the forty. You know, why? Yeah. Why not? <laughs> I mean, he's coming from the car wash. He had to go over the forty. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he would. He, he definitely would have taken the long way around. But that. that's it, it was great. He hit all the green lights, though. Well, that I guess that made that made it a little easier. But see, that's the problem of knowing a town a little too well. You, you yes. can you <laughs> yes. can see where those mistakes were. So, did you guys ever do the fanboy thing and hang out around the periphery when filming was going on? I mean, I I know that. <laughs> yeah, oh, I guess so. Yeah, some people oh, did, Lord. right? And those yellow and black signs that the filming crews put all over town for cast and crew became dead giveaways as to where filming would be going on. Uh, but and eventually they had to start disguising them with the alphabet soup on them. So you didn't really know what was being filmed, but man, they made it pretty easy in the, in the early years. Right. Well, in the early years, I mean, you had, you know, BRBA, you, they were, it was right there in your face. Yeah. Right? But nobody, nobody cared at that time. Yeah. You know, they didn't really have a huge fan base. And you, and you have to understand so like season three. Yeah. When you have to understand that when, Breaking Bad was filming, the film industry in Albuquerque was not that big. No, it was small. There was not this fandom now, this crazed fandom to track down filming locations. Um, you know, just they just finished wrapping. Uh, there's a couple of new series, you know, The Cleaning Lady and, and When Big Sky was here filming. Um, you know, but, you know, everybody was like, oh, what's this filming location signed for? What's this filming location signed for? But back in the day... When they had the you know BRBA up, nobody cared. Mm -hmm. It wasn't it wasn't a it wasn't a thing until season three. I don't even think nobody kind of knew what it was unless you were like this, uh, like us, crazy. Uh, <laughs> you know. But now I'm trying to remember what season it was. But we had uh, we had we were doing you know whenever we would see the filming signs, we would go, hey, we know where they're filming. Let's go watch them film. And it's not even just that. We also had quote unquote connections, so we kind of knew where they were going to be without having to, you know, uh, look for uh, location for signs, yeah. right? So, so, so we kind of knew where there will be that day or nighttime, and we would just go and, uh, I'm not going to say stalk, but, you know, we went and we were hanging out. No, 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 you stalked. Yeah, you stalked. Because okay. they were filming the scene where Walter drives Hank to Los Poyos in the Aztec. And we had driven out to Los Poyos because we knew they were filming up. Well, no, Walter was driving him. Well, Walter was driving Hank. Yeah. What did I say? The, the other way. I'm sorry. Walt was driving Hank out to Los Poyos. And we knew they were filming out at Los Poyos. So we drive out there. And, you know, there's no signs. There's no cones. There's nothing stopping us. There was nothing. nothing. With the exception of it actually had the Los Poyos sign on instead of the Twister's restaurant, which is what it's supposed to be. That's it. That's all we saw. So we drive into the parking lot. We park like as if we were customers going into Los Poyos or Twister's. And we get out of the vehicle, our Jeep, and we get out of our Jeep and we, you know, 
And the security guard starts walking over to me and I'm playing stupid, like, oh, are they doing something? Are they filming or acting stupid? Here comes Brian and Dean drive up in the Aztec and somebody, I won't mention any names, Ed, goes running up to them. Oh my God, we love you. Oh my God. <laughs> to this day, the crew still talks about it's how still, we ruined that shot. Yeah, we ruined that shot. So anytime you see that <laughs> shot, that's probably the one after we were, you know, uh, you have to leave. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, they just told us to go across the street. Go across the street. So, yeah. and I, I mean, I, we were there when uh, Jesse was pouring the gasoline and uh, we were way across the, the way and, and I got in trouble because I, I was using the, a very long photogenic lens or what do you call those? Photo, things? Photo, what? The telescopic. telescopic lens and the security guard was like, you can't do that. And I'm like, oh, I can't. Like I was being dumb. But I was like, oh, yeah, I am. <laughs> Uh, I, 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 I was, uh, we were there when Lydia and Todd were near the end of the series, uh, uh, and they were talking and, you know, where, where they were doing one of the cook sites at that new, you know, the, the, Nazi, the compound. Nazi compound. And, uh, they actually, cause I was standing on top of our Jeep looking over the fence and we're like, can you not do that? We're trying to get that shot. So yeah, we were crazy. So. Oh, that's okay. I I've done a lot of crazy things too, but I'm gonna blame both of you guys for inspiring it all. So there, right? There you go. <laughs> I I went I went out to the Nazi compound also with uh, my former colleague Lori. Um, it was the first time she'd ever trespassed, and I, I I think the statute of limitations has now expired, so I can talk about it. Everything's cool. It doesn't exist anymore. And it doesn't so. exist. You're right. It's just yeah, it was leveled not long after the show ended, but uh, we scurried under that chain link fence and walked around and saw you know everything where where it all ended and oh man it was it was nothing short of amazing um and we found all kinds of water bottles with new mexico film commission labels on them so we knew we were on hallowed ground <laughs> um okay at some point in all this you had to realize that the number of breaking bad fans was far larger than anyone realized you guys included that something special was happening and well something that i even realized pretty quickly that albuquerque had become an unscripted cast member by by virtue of the filming location and how they always managed to include it uh quite liberally throughout the show when was that revelation for you that albuquerque was a part of the show or there were more fans oh, out there all than... of it all all of the above well, I think the fan, I mean, when, when we, we didn't really know that that was out there. The, the fandom was out there until we started our little Facebook group. And when we say little Facebook group, I think we had 20 to start with. And then it just blew up from there. Well, it was it was sad, Nick. I mean, we were actually we the, and the reason when he says 20, most of it was just family and friends who never even saw the show. They were just being kind to us because, you know, they were like, oh, they started a Facebook group. Oh, uh, let's pity them. And, and then and then it just. <laughs> And then, you know, people, then the fans started coming because people, more and more people were becoming fans of the show and they were just on Facebook looking for some sort of group that, yeah. that appreciated the same thing that they did. And, and then it just, you know, more and more people and then they brought people and it just became this wonderful community where people could just go on there and go, oh my gosh, did you see this? Did you see this? And, uh, and they would talk about the episodes and. As far as like Albuquerque. Uh, oh, from the beginning. Yeah, it was from the beginning. Again, when when we when we were watching it at first, we we're like, oh, well, there's that place. We know that place. You know, I mean, other places we didn't know, but it was like, wow. And again, to me, I knew Albuquerque was huge 
in the show is because when they were actually using the real street names and they were using like other towns in the state and they actually it was correct and it wasn't just like made up stuff that's when i was like oh they are doing their homework here and that is really cool as far as like you know showcasing the city and and uh and it is the sixth character of the show because i mean you know i i watch old shows you know i watch mary tyler moore and they're always talking about minneapolis but they never showed minneapolis it was always just in in an apartment and in a newsroom this one it actually you were actually there it's actually in the city they actually talk about real locations around the city they they knew what they were doing it was like these characters were actually living here so yeah I mean, the about the only one i know that they disguised was the white house they put it on negro arroyo and that's not true but you know for for a brief moment it gave the padilla family a little privacy now, that didn't last very long though did it no well yeah i mean <laughs> it, it but but like i tell we you know we get a lot of people who come in and they go visit the house and they don't get the warm reception, you know, ever. And uh, my thing was, you know, when they were signing the contracts for the house, it's kind of a, it was a, you know, a, a, a crapshoot because Breaking Bad could have been a failure. Yeah, it could have been it over. Have been, yeah, it could have been something like In Plain Sight where it lasted a few seasons and then it was done. And then it's like, what? Yeah. Where, what is that show? Yeah, nobody would have given a rat's ass about the place. But the fact that they are part of the lexicon of of this almost cult status uh you know they they you know you couldn't you, you didn't have that choice it's like it was one or the other and it went the other way so well good for good good for albuquerque and good for all of us too because uh, it's a lot closer for me to go to albuquerque than say southern california where breaking bad was almost filmed i mean that was the intent i think it was going to be around riverside but uh, thanks in large part to New Mexico's aggressive filming incentives, they lured Vince Gilligan and company to the land of enchantment. Have you ever wondered what things would be like had they just stayed in California? I mean, would we even be having this conversation? No, 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 no. I would still be in my uh, insurance job. <laughs> Mark will still still be at his other job. Uh, he's been over 20 years. But, but and. Uh, we would not have a Facebook group, uh, and uh, we would be like Nick Gerlich, who? Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 try, I think I think what would have happened if it was filmed in California is it would have just been become another California TV series. Yeah, yeah, like so many others. A, yeah, because if you think about it, if you think about all the shows that are filmed in California, and you know take place in California, how many of those do you sit there and go, oh my gosh, I want to watch it another sixteen times? Yeah. Yeah, like Arrested Development should have been filmed in Albuquerque, not, not on the, you know, not in L.A. or near the ocean or anything. It would have been a very different show, and I liked it the way it turned out, but I think it would have turned out even better in New Mexico. Well, Arrested Development's a little bit on the different side. It when is. You think about yeah, it. it is. It is. You know, with that quirky comedy. Um, Again, with Breaking Bad, it's it's also very ethnic. It has a bunch of, you know, Native American, Hispanic uh anglo it's it's a little bit of everything uh and again what's beautiful about it is you couldn't have 
that modern day Western, I think that Vince Gilligan loves to do if it was based in California. And that's what's great about where it's filmed here is because he does do it as a modern day Western. You know, it's it's sometimes it's out in the open in the desert and you see two guys on opposite ends of the screen, the good and the bad or what you think is good, what you think is bad. And uh, it, it just has that, uh, you know, uniqueness. And I don't think you could do that in Southern California. Well, yeah. I mean, just... Let's face it, you, you you only have to go about, I don't know, a couple hundred feet outside Q Studios, and you're in the desert. Yeah. And they filmed a lot it. right out there. They You know, they could literally walk to their filming location from the studio. Think think of think of some of the pivotal episodes of Breaking Bad, when Walt and Jesse go out into the desert to do the cook and the battery goes dead. And think of that, now, think, now take that same scene and that whole premise and take it to the Hollywood Hills. Because that's where they would have to film that at. They would have to be out in the mountains, or they would have to go, you know, how how far. But even if that. if that if that was going to be how they were going to do it, we don't yeah. know. It would have been completely different. Well, they might have rewritten the whole story. Yeah, yeah, that's true. We had no idea. Yeah. Well, Breaking Bad was, you know, for all intents and purposes, a very slow boil. Um, it didn't start out all that meteoric, and like most serial television, a lot of time early on was spent on character development, and viewership was kind of tiny. The cast quickly melded, though, uh, thankfully, and while some aspects of the main characters did take a while to unfold, Walter, on the other hand, progressed fairly rapidly. I mean, after all, he and Jesse were cooking out in the desert before the end of the pilot episode. Uh, (laughs) They didn't waste any time on that. The others could figure out their characters later on, but they were going to cook. So um, it it made for a very interesting contrast, and while, while an average of one and a half million viewers the first three seasons is not even close enough for network television um, because a show that only had a million and a half would never have even made it to the third season anyway. It was more than enough for a cable network show. They could live by much smaller audiences. But by season four, things really took off. And then at the end of the split fifth season... Well, we all know what happened during the finale. They had they, they surpassed 10 million viewers. That is pure cable gold right there. Why do you think it took so long, though, for th- this to boil? Well, I, one of the I think one of the main reasons was AMC was just now moving out of the movie market. Remember, it strictly was movies before you know the Breaking Bad era, and so the viewership wasn't there. So I think it took longer for it to grab hold and people to tune in um, because of that. Everybody, everybody associated AMC with movies, American Movie Classics. Right. So why, why, what, is this, what is this weird TV show coming on a movie channel? Um, or Mad Men. Or, yeah, Mad Men was after, right? No, Mad Men was before. Was it one season yeah. before? And then, of course, you know, Walking Dead. I just think, you know, it was... It, 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 it had to. It had to find its. Place. It was always like HBO had the you know movies on TV that or I'm sorry TV shows on 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 TV that was like everybody was watching. Those were the the critically acclaimed, and all of a sudden now here's AMC and people are like, what? That's American movie classics, yeah. you know? That's like they, you know they show you know the Maltese Falcon or whatever. <laughs> I don't know. So uh, yeah, it was a slow burn for Breaking Bad. But then I think it was also word of mouth. Yes, word of you mouth. Know, it's like people who did tune in from the start and was like watching this show and they were trying to tell people, you've got to watch the show. You've got to watch the show and being, and not being bound by network uh, stigmas, like you were saying, because if it had been ABC or NBC or whatever, 
they'd be gone. They would have been. I don't even think they would have made it past the writer's strike. No, they would have. You know, um, but I think because of word of mouth and the fans who love that first season, plus the transition into television for AMC uh, television series, I think that was why it took so long. But by the third season, even you know the numbers were all still around a million. You were starting to see that build up because people were understanding how brilliant of writing they were seeing. And uh, that's my. I also think you know the Emmys were helping too because you know Brian won right away after the first season. He won for the second season, and you know, and uh, it was getting nominated for best you know drama, and I think it won early on too. I just think people, you know, it's kind of weird. It's like people hate awards, but you know, if somebody wins an award, people are like, well, what is that about? Let's check it out as well. But I also think it was word of mouth. It's sort of like word of mouth now because you know. Uh, People, um, even though Breaking Bad hasn't been on for, you know, going on almost 10 years, uh, it still has that word of mouth. People are, I mean, and it's now the next generation is is watching it now. We get so many kids now watching it and they love it. And they could be watching anything that's out now, but they come in and they're like, it's my favorite show ever. I'm like, wow, you were you were probably like five <laughs> when, when it was on, you know? Uh, but yeah, it's... It's steadfast. Can you imagine if Breaking Bad had been just a few years later and had come out during uh, when Netflix started being creative in a big way and having lots of their own original content? This could have been like Squid Game, you know, 110 million viewers in the first month. Yeah. 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 But I I think that maybe that's what it is. It, It wasn't there at the beginning. But because it has reached this cult status, and it has, um, that the viewership is increasing now uh, more than it ever was when it was on TV. Well, I think it was increasing during the pandemic because yeah. everybody was locked in their houses. I get this a lot. You hear it from everybody. They they heard about it, but you know they were busy in their lives, and all of a sudden now they're stuck in their homes, and they're like, well, let me try it. And now it's like, where were you? I should have I, I should have been watching this when it was on, and you know now you have even not just younger fans, but now you have older fans that are huge because they watched it during the shutdown. Yeah, Vince Gilligan, the creator, was a genius, and I think we can all agree on that. No problems there, and he knew when to leave when he was on top of his game. And you know, there's plenty of other shows, movies, and even athletes who could take a lesson or two here. You know, know when to quit. Uh, and so we diehard Breaking Bad fans found ourselves staring down a finale on September 29, 2013. And then with that in the future, you two guys did the ultimate cool thing. You planned a finale party. How, how did this all come to be? And tell us all about all the preparation and the experience, because I know this was no small undertaking. Well, actually, the, the finale party... Well, it was kind of funny, though, Nick, and I don't even know if anybody knows this, but Mark and I were actually planning on moving. We were going to be moving to Phoenix, and we had packed up all of our house uh, by the time we were going to do this finale party at our home. So what we decided to do is, well, it, all houses almost empty with the exception of the necessities. So we're going to make our home inside and outside breaking bad. And that's what we did. You know, we, we, we put up the outside, we, we did the yellow and green tent, you know, so it looks like our house is under a tent. 
uh, for Vominos. Uh, we did a barrel uh, with the body parts. Uh, oh, we did the body in the bathtub. We did the body in the bathtub <laughs> where we filled it with red, you know, uh, water. Well, I, um, I, I remember the one thing that I wanted to do was I wanted to recreate the plate yep. that uh, Max broke in, in uh, I think, episode two? Crazy Eight. Crazy Eight broke in episode two. Or three, no, where like, he was yeah. going to cut. He's going to. He was going to step, and I got a a Fiesta wear plate, uh, and I cracked it exactly, perfectly in one try. In one try, yeah. and I, I I was I kicked myself because I think we just threw away the pieces. We after well, we thought it was done. We, th we thought we were over with. We it. were. Yeah, we it was done. There was no more breaking yeah, that. So it was all over. Our Facebook group was going to be over. We're yeah. done. So, and we had like uh, we had a big screen in the backyard. We had our TV in the TV room. We had another TV in our living room, and we had people stay. You know, in all three, we had uh, food that was you know themed. You know, themed. So we, we had chicken and. You but know. we wanted to bring together this group of fans. From our Facebook group. From our Facebook group to experience this this end of an era. Yeah. That we had been building up for five six years. Yeah, and it was it was fun. I I still love that night. It was great. Um, and uh, we we gave out a lot of prizes uh, after the show was over. I mean, we even got. Uh, I can probably say it now again. Spoilers? It's, just spoilers. You don't have to say where we got it from. No, uh, something that we knew. Uh, you know, they got these uh, poster boards uh, that they were uh, giving out to the cast and crew, uh, and and they gave us a couple of them wrapped. And what they told us was, you are not to open this until after the show ends. So, and it, they even put it huge on the the wrap. Uh, on the on the on the wrapping thing, so we had them there, and we were just like, "What is this?" And of course, it was uh, when the two people won. You know, they opened it, and it was it was basically the end uh, shots behind the scenes of of the show. You know, when it ended, so you got to see all of the Nazi people dead, and you see Ben Gilligan with his girlfriend, and then you see Walter and Jesse just looking at all the dead people. Was one of them, and then in another shot, you see Walter with the gun pointing at the at the camera, uh, it, 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 it was neat how, you know, uh, we were fortunate to, to get these and we got to give them away to these fans um, and just the anticipation of, of wanting to open them, but, you know, we couldn't yet. It was, it was great. Um, and that's, that's kind of got us started on our parties for our summer parties all yep. these years. So that was the beginning of, of again, this madness that it never seems to, uh, to, end. to end, you know. Yeah. <laughs> end. Stop. End. Stop. Stop talking. <laughs> I, I was there, and, and I count this among one of my peak life experiences. I, I'm, I'm very thankful that my former colleague, Lori, and I were able to attend. We were actually doing uh, a, a Breaking Bad fandom study at the time, and um, so we used uh, the finale weekend to come to town and recruit lots of survey participants to basically take the pulse of some rabid fans <laughs> of, of, a, of an amazing TV show. And um, it, it made it more difficult to, to be unbiased because we love the show as much as the, the subjects in the study. But that's neither here nor there. But we were there for that party, and I'll never forget that. You know, getting in, coming up your your front sidewalk and seeing the... Uh, what is that, like a 50 or 55-gallon barrel with body parts in it and uh, the way you had the bathroom decorated and basically the whole house. It was it was just insane. I, 
I, I felt like I was uh, almost in, uh, well, it was like Halloween. It was a, you know, a house of horrors or something, but it was just a house of Breaking Bad. Um, but we watched that show. I think you had like three big screen TVs. And so you basically when the show came on, you just parked in front of one of them. And by the end, you know, it kind of ended so abruptly. And all of a sudden, uh, cue the, the, the Badfinger song, Baby Blue, which, of course, is the most appropriate song ever written to go with a television show and then I think everybody there was crying uh, because it's like oh man it's over and Walter's gone um, it was it was just a, a surreal experience uh, in fact that whole weekend was surreal because we went to finale parties three nights Friday Saturday Sunday that was pretty good for a couple of middle-aged academics you know our students think we're all just a bunch of fuddy-duddies we were out there <laughs> having a good time in Albuquerque. I, I can't recall having that kind of fun ever. Well, it was, it was, you know, we had, I don't, I think we did something the day before, didn't we do? We went to Gardenia's. Yeah, we did a whole Gardenia's thing, but. Yeah. Um, uh, awkward guacamole. Awkward guacamole restaurant, yeah. For the restaurant that doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but you're right. It was, it was, it was great to be around other people when that finale happened. And because then you could, you could talk about it, you could experience it with other people. You could enjoy it, embrace it. And uh, that's, I mean, that's the whole thing. I mean, if you can bring a group of people together to watch a final episode of a series and you saw it three nights, you did three nights of it. I mean, that right there tells you, you know, the impact that it had. Yeah, this was, this was bigger than anything I ever could have imagined to be associated with a television show. The only other time that I've experienced this, only other two times, was the season premiere of Who Shot JR and the MASH finale. That was it. Well, the fandom was so intense that a few weeks later, a mock funeral was even staged for Walter, including <laughs> yes. a, a processional through city streets, like with a hearse uh. and the, the whole thing, and, and a graveside <laughs> ceremony at one of Albuquerque's prominent cemeteries. Uh, there was a tombstone. There was a newspaper obit. I mean, that's pretty strong fandom there, if you ask me. Well, it is, and and with the with the obituary, uh, though the the two people that wrote it and uh, did that were two members of our group, and so when it when they told us about it, I was like, oh, cool. But we, you know, we didn't know what they were gonna do, and they put it in the local paper, and I just remember that it had to go to a second pressing because everybody around. I don't, the, I don't know if it was the world or just this, the United States, they, they wanted first edition. So they had to do a second edition on that. That again tells you uh, how huge it was, you know, for, for that show. It was incredible. Yeah. I've got eight copies of that newspaper. Um, <laughs> I'm, they're, there you go. They're, uh, they're in storage <laughs> in, for safekeeping because they might be worth something someday. Anyway, uh, the, uh, thankfully, the first edition, yeah. oh yeah, definitely, a absolutely. Well, thankfully, Mr. Gilligan saw fit to keep the story going by announcing a prequel, Better Call Saul, and he quickly r recognized the comedic genius of Bob Odenkirk, who had joined the cast, uh, let's see, season two, episode eight. And then what did you guys do to pivot toward this new show? Because... You know, you, you'd just been stripped of everything you held near and dear. The show ended, and then, oh, but we're going to have a prequel. What did you guys do next? Oh. Uh, actually, <laughs> it, I remember this oh. like it was yesterday, Nick. 
So it was a Sunday afternoon. It was a nice sunny Sunday afternoon, right? And I'm in the other room. Mark is in one room, and he's, he, I don't know if he was taking a nap or he was like watching something. And I, I was just, I was on the computer and I saw it and it was like, holy cow. So I ran into the, to the, to the bedroom and I said, we got to do another Facebook group. It has to, you know, cause we let our other one go to, uh, to another person. And, and he was like, what? And I was like, they're doing a prequel. It's better call. Saul. He's like, Oh God, no, 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 <laughs> no, I'm done. I, I, I closed the book on this. I have <sighs> but he wasn't going to win. So literally, <laughs> After he was like, all right, I went back into the computer room and I started the group. Boom. And it became uh, the Better Call Saul Three Strikes group, and which we still have to this day. Yeah. So, Well, this show, uh, which had its debut on February 8, 2015, and ran for six seasons, uh, and it ended last August on uh, the 15th. It did a lot of character development early on. In fact, uh, I would say a lot more than Breaking Bad. To the point that it was criticized even for being a little slow. I know I know people who were Breaking Bad fans trying to watch Better Call Saul season one, and they're like, "Oh my God, I can't, you know, I can't do this." And it was it was just too slow for them, and and so folks began to wonder if it ever would ever take off. And of course, it did. And and by the end, there were some people saying that Better Call Saul was even better than Breaking Bad. What are your thoughts on I- this? I am firmly in that camp that Better Call Saul is it. Now, don't get me wrong. Breaking Bad is amazing. And I love Breaking Bad, but I prefer Better Call Saul over Breaking Bad. It's an amazing uh, show. I mean, I've it, it, I've watched I've watched everything twice except for season six. And well, now that it's on Netflix and I can yeah, I can do it anytime I want now. But um, I loved watching it the second time. And I thought I got more out of it on a second viewing than I did breaking bad on a second viewing i mean i always when we started our store it i always tell this you know you would always get people and they're like yeah breaking bad better and and i you know it, to me it was like an 80 20 breaking bad and before the season six even premiered it was starting to be 50 percent, 45 percent breaking bad to better call saul and then it was actually tied there during you know during the season six i think it's still tied if not maybe a little bit more now for better call saul it's it the dynamics have changed for people so but i still get i do still get a lot of people who come in and say yep i can't even get past i i started watching it and i just couldn't get into it and i have to tell them stick with it yeah and trust me the ride is worth it Again, you have to know these characters. It's all character. This is character development for season one. Once you get through that, you know, then, you know, every season is like a, a step, right? You get to that next step and it's, it, you're getting up to the second floor until you get to the sixth season. And it's like, oh my God, this is a great, you know, a, just a great series. It all makes sense where it was going. Yeah. Don't give up on it, you know, but, you know, at least try. Well, I'm glad I stuck with it. And I, to, to, to be honest, I never had any doubt that it was going to take off. I, I was willing to be that patient viewer and just let them do what they needed to do to introduce us to Kim, to reintroduce some Breaking Bad people who were suddenly now alive, you know, because they all got killed in Breaking Bad. But, hey, that's the magic of a prequel, right? Everybody's alive. So I think they worked it very well. But in the middle of all this, while 
Better Call Saul was enjoying its rising popularity, you know, toward the end, the last couple of years, Gilligan and company release El Camino, the movie, on uh, the 16th of February in 2020, right before a certain pandemic hit. Um, and this was, you know, a full-fledged feature film set in the aftermath of Breaking Bad. And because Walter was dead, he couldn't play a current role. Uh, he could only play, like, in a, in a flashback, which they did. Um, but this, too, did not get out of the gate quickly. And although I must say that, uh, you know, it was on my second viewing that I also saw this as being an excellent film. I went from yawner to that was really good. And what do you guys say? I This is what, you know, again, we kind of hear this sometimes. It's like, well, it's not Breaking Bad. It's like, well, it's not supposed to be Breaking Bad. It's El Camino. It's from a Breaking Bad movie. I said, I would tell people, I like the movie because you get to see familiar faces that that are reunited again. That's my thing. You know, you get to see you get to see Jesse being Jesse again. You get to see him with Walter again. You get, you know, uh, you get a, a scene at the end with Jane. You know, you, who wouldn't want that? Hashtag spoiler alert. Well, I mean, you get it. Right? Oh, I don't know. What if people haven't seen the movie? <laughs> so you, it, it's just, uh, what, an hour and a half or whatever of just seeing familiar faces. That's what I like about El Camino. And there was so much more of Todd. We got to see Todd with about 40 extra and pounds. <laughs> The, the creepiness and the the psychotic nature of Todd was only touched on in Breaking Bad. I mean, sure, he kills a kid, you know, has no issue with it. He kills Andrea, no big deal. But hashtag spoiler alert if you're listening and you haven't seen it. Um, but in that movie, the, his how psychotic he really is, you know, with the cleaning lady and then yeah. the snow globe and all that. But like I tell people, if they haven't seen El Camino, I'm like, watch El Camino because it's a great way to wrap up Jesse's story. Exactly. Because, you know, if you if if you're like some of those fools who believe Walter White is dead, um, Walter White's story is finished. Um, so you, there's nowhere else to go with Walter White. But with Jesse, it kind of left it open ended. It's like he just drives through a gate and that's it. Um, but this wrapped up his story and gave him a good ending. Um, the biggest, you know, obviously the biggest criticism was, yeah, you're making a movie six years after the fact. Nobody looks the same. You know, everybody had a problem with Todd's looks. Jesse looked older than he was when it was filmed, you know, in, in Breaking Bad, blah, blah, blah. You get past that. You know, you watch it for the story. You don't watch it for the, you know, the look of the actors. Well, they said that about Better Call Saul, too, because it was a prequel. So that meant everybody in, in linear sequence, real time, was, you know, six years older or whatever. But now they're playing something that was way back in around 04, 05. And it's it was hard to make Odenkirk and and the others look maybe 10 12 years younger than they they really are and, and so that was that was another challenge that had to be overcome and i heard that criticism quite a bit it's like oh you know he, he it's not right you know he doesn't look the age that he should have been in that well it's because he wasn't yeah i think it's i think it's just it's just Stupid criticism for people who don't have anything to criticize. Right. Well, I, um, I can't let our discussion of Breaking Bad go without mentioning the one episode that, to this day, is still the fans' least favorite. I just saw a very interesting uh, graphic about this on Reddit. And you know where I'm going with this. Season 3, Episode 10. This is the perfect example of a bottle episode, uh, which is uh, it's a bare-bones, low-budget installment. 
that they usually do when they're running out of money, uh, and they were at this point. Um, and so in this episode, only Brian Cranston and Aaron Paul appear, along with a handful of extras in the laundromat, but, oh, and, and a fly. Uh, but, but that's about it. <laughs> but while a lot of fans still loathe this episode, I love it. I, I applaud Gilligan and, and also the writers, Sam Catlin and um, Moira Wally Beckett. This is a true gem episode to do so much with so little. What do you guys think about this episode? Well, I didn't like it at first either, but I only saw it once. And then when I used to do playback, you know, the episode before I finish it and I would go to the episode after Fly. So I wouldn't even watch Fly because I'm like, ah, it doesn't even pertain to what was going on. But um, I just said, oh, I'm going to watch it again. And I watched it for a second time and I got it. Then I understood. And now I love it. I think it's a great episode. It's on its own. It's it's just it's a great uh, acting by both. It's just it's just a fun episode. And you kind of get what is uh, going on when it comes to Walter's um, state of mind at that time. That's the beauty of the episode. So I liked it. I love it. I don't know about Mark, but. Well, I've all, I've always liked it. I didn't hate it when it first came out. I, I mean, I'm used to bottle shows. I mean, most. Most series have them because they have, like you said, to save money. So in order to do a story like that, but the writing is brilliant. That's the thing. I mean, Vince could take something so simple. And then by the time you're done with it, like Ed said, is you see it for what it really is. And if you, if you don't, how do I say it? If you skip over it, then I think you're, you, you are losing out because you miss that, uh, that story. I just say watch it again. Yeah. People that didn't watch it, watch it. And I think they would, I think they'll totally agree. It's like, oh, why did I hate it? You know, that's. Well, a lot of people say that about the Saul Bagman episode. Oh, Bagman's one of the best episodes. So they say that that, you know, uh, it's slow. It doesn't really do anything. It's just them walking across the desert. But it really has more to it than that. So, you know, if you give it a chance, you know, I, again, I think people criticized it to criticize something. And most of the time people can't find fault in something, so they come up with something to complain about. But the most important thing that happened because of all of this, and, and the reason we're having this conversation right now is that you guys hatched this crazy life-changing idea of opening a store dedicated to Breaking Bad and its siblings. Keep it short here because we're gonna spend some time in a little bit here, but what the heck brought this on? 2014, Ed made a post on Facebook. I really want to open up a Breaking Bad museum. Yeah. And so that that was that's where the seeds were sown. Yeah. And it took a while, um, but the opportunity presented itself, and we jumped on it. After the break, we're going to dive into the Breaking Bad store and let Mark and Ed tell the full story of what I think is one of the coolest things to do in all of Albuquerque. The economy always leading in the daily news, it's no secret that there is a shortage of professionals who understand what's going on in this world. 
Master of Science in Finance and Economics prepares the next generation of thought leaders who know how to prepare institutions and companies for the great unknown. Whether you seek employment in business, government, or as an instructor, the MSFE will ground you in all the theory and show you how to put it into practice. Demand meets supply at the corner of finance and economics. It's no mistake that our MSFE is consistently rated as one of the strongest in the nation. We're double ACSB accredited and among the most elite of business schools around the world. Reach for the stars and do it with a WT MSFE in hand. Waivers are offered for the GMAT. For more information, find us at wtamu.edu slash cob or call 806-651-2500. From the Texas Panhandle to the world, we're here to help you reach those stars. It is no secret that I loved Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul, and I admit, though, that it, it took that former colleague, Lori, to prod me to watch it years ago. It, and, and that was when three seasons were already in the can. But my, my, my confession is it only took two episodes, um, and, and that was it. And I reached for the Kool-Aid and just drank till the, the, <laughs> until the pitcher was empty. <laughs> I quickly became enamored of all those filming locations, too. I started making pilgrimages to Albuquerque. It's only four hours, so, uh, and, and it's mostly because they, they really were accessible. Some were a little tricky. And, and maybe that was by design. You know, my my alter ego is a uh, a location uh, scout. I would love to do that. That would be great. Maybe someday after I retire, I can uh, go to work in the film industry and find these really cool locations. But I, I'm convinced that sometimes uh, uh, they, they wanted to make it a little harder to find because the fans were, you know, starting to get all over this stuff here real fast. Um, it became a bit of a detective game sometime for a handful of us. We made the Google Maps of our finds, um, and some of the filming location stalkers, and I'll just use first names like James, Mark, Adam, and Mary, made it their mission not only to find the location, but also to recreate for the camera an entire scene from the shows. Uh, I'm just a minor league right fielder compared to them. These are professionals. And if you've seen their work on Instagram or Facebook, you know just how good it is. It's like, how in the world did these people find these obscure locations, especially the ones out in the desert? And the only thing they've got, uh, well, like that cell phone tower, they've got a ridge line in the distance, and they use that to find the actual location. And then the books started coming out about the show. That's, that's evidence right there that this is really gaining pop culture traction. Um, I was lucky to do a book chapter, actually co-authored it with Lori, um, but there are easily 10 of these different books out by now. And, and Mark, our good friend Mark, dedicated one entire book in several editions already, no less, to detailed information about all these filming locations. I mean, this is this is crazy stuff. I'm I'm glad to see Mark once a year in Albuquerque at the the pop culture conference. He flies in from Sacramento, and I see him for a little bit. Uh, but I know what he's doing most of the time. He's in his rental car, tracking down obscure locations, basically just uh, you know finding them out there. It's like he, he he was a squirrel, or somebody else was a squirrel and buried nuts, and his job was to find them all. Um, but And I would also be remiss not to mention the Breaking Bad tours that are hosted in town. 
by a couple that we all know with a Bounder RV, just like the one in the show. And yeah, they gutted it a little bit to, so that they can have a lot more passengers, but basically they haul tourists around town to, to show them, uh, you know, a, it's like a three-hour tour, Gilligan all over again, different Gilligan though. <laughs> um, and I suspect they'll be doing this for many years, just like the fandom that we still see in Chicagoland with people taking Ferris Bueller's Day Off tours 30, what, 35 years later? So um, this, is, this is intense stuff. And there's even more evidence of this intense fandom, but the primary one is the Breaking Bad store. Um, it's not like it was just born out of fiscal expedience and opportunity. It's not like you guys sat around with calculators and, or spreadsheets and data and all this stuff and crunching numbers to see what profit potential there could be no this was just two guys who really loved the show and and they they loved it so much that they opened a place that's more a a shrine than just another retail store guys tell us how it all came about not just that you had this revelation in 2014 to open a museum you can expand on it now give us a brief telling of your very short history in business oh well it was really, it was, there was no, you're right. There was no calculating. There was no, are we going to make any money off of this? This was never a, this was never a, uh, what's the word cash grab or it was, it was never, that. it was never, it was yeah. never, uh, I, I just wanted like, like Mark had said previously, I just wanted to do a museum. And when I, when I mean that by that is Mark and I have been accumulating a lot of stuff. We have a breaking bad room. We've had one for years and we have all these things that, I thought, you know, fans would love to see. And quite frankly, I just wanted to do like a weekend where we would get some kind of uh, room, a pop-up, pop and people would come uh, for that weekend. And then we would be done and I would feel satisfied. But it, you know, it never, it never came to that. But, um, but we always had it in our head. It was never going to be a store. It was only going to be a museum. Uh, and then um, in 2019, we went to uh, a Walker Stalker Con. And what that is, it's a Walking Dead uh, convention because we, we also love Walking Dead. And uh, a friend of ours, he took us to Sonoma, Georgia, which, uh, which is where they film Walking Dead. And we go there and we're like, oh my God, there's a Walking Dead store. Well, why is there no freaking Breaking Bad store in Albuquerque? No one's done it yet. And what happened? It's like, you know, we just said, this is it. We should do it. And the opportunity came about because you you mentioned the uh, Breaking Bad RV tours and Frank and Jackie, and they had a little storefront in Old Town, uh, which is one of the main tourist uh, destinations in Albuquerque. Um, and they 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 didn't they they wanted to move away from that location. They didn't want to focus. They it was it wasn't what they wanted. It wasn't their vision. And they came to us and said, "Hey guys, we have this little space in Old Town, and we're wondering if you guys would like to take it over." And you know, we, Ed and I talked about it for a little bit and, you know, Ed just, Ed, Ed was going to say no. And we were having lunch where we were dinner, we're, we were going to have dinner with Frank and Jackie and we were just going to let them, you know, tell them how, what we decided. And, and I told Ed, I was like, look, Ed, this is a once in a lifetime, lifetime opportunity. If you turn this down, you're going to regret it. And so we took the spot over in October. We, we took possession in October of 2019 and with it, with the, full knowledge that we were going to open up January 2nd, 2020. 
And it was only going to be open until at least May because that's when their current uh, lease was going to be, was up. Gonna so be we, up. So the so the financial and risk was very minimal. Right. And uh, I and I had it for my job that I can come back. So because I told them and I asked them before I left, is it okay if I come back? <laughs> you know, if this goes all uh, south, and they're like, yes, you can come back. So I'm like, okay, well that's a relief. Uh, we had the five month lease. Yeah. Ed could go back to his job. I would stay at my current job. Um, and we were just going to go for it. We were going to try it out and see what happens. Uh, so January 2nd, 2020, we opened the store. Yeah. And, uh, and then of course we all know what happened, uh, in February of 2020, March, uh, well, March, it actually started becoming bad in February. Yeah. Uh, the, the plague hit and March, they shut us down. Yeah. And uh, during the time that we were shut down, uh, you know, we're sitting there going, are we even going to reopen? Because, you know, our lease is up in May, blah, blah, blah. Uh, our landlord came to us and said, hey, I've got this bigger spot next door, twice the size you're currently in. I'll give you a month's free rent. Uh, what do you guys want to do? And we're like, we looked at a place. And again, Mark and I, we always have this like vision. We go to every store and we're like, this can go here. This can go there. We can put that over there, over there, blah, blah, blah. And we're like, let's do it. Are we stupid? Yes, let's do it. <laughs> let's, you know, you know, most stores are shutting down, shutting their doors during this global pandemic. No, let's hey, be, let's, let's be crazy. Let's expand. Are we crazy already? <laughs> you know, the the idea of a pop up shop though is, is not bad. I I went to a Stranger Things pop up shop in Grapevine, Texas, right before Christmas, and oh, it was amazing. And yeah, I spent a ton of money. And I know Dolly Parton opened a pop up shop in Frisco, Texas, in conjunction with the uh, Country Music Awards. Brilliant timing. You know, everybody's in town for the award show, um, and everybody loves Dolly, right? So why not have a Dolly pop-up store? And, yeah, it was, it, was, it was absolutely brilliant. But I have to ask you, where do you find all your licensed merchandise? I mean, I, I'm, just, I'm just blown away. And I use that word on purpose because I know you guys had conversations some tricky ones with Sony Pictures, the owner of the show, and and of course uh, the sequel. Excuse me, the prequel and the sequel movie. So where do you get? Yeah, where do you get all this stuff? So we we opened. We get that question we a get that, lot. Oh dear God! Almost every day we answer it about three or four yeah. times. It's come to the point where I'm just like, I start making up stuff. I'm like, you know, I, we're not at liberty to say. We have NDAs. We're we not have, supposed yeah, to discuss. Um, actually, they're coming for us right now, so I would run out of the store as we speak. No, when we when we when we opened in 2020, uh, Sony Entertainment uh, sent us a nice little email, uh, and they said, "Do not worry, this is not a cease and desist, uh, but we would like to have a conference call with you all." Yeah, but we were already like freaking out because yeah. we'd only been open like two days, two days, and it was already you know. So we had to, uh, we were gonna have, uh, we had a soft opening on a what Wednesday, yeah, and then we were gonna have our grand opening on Saturday, and we're like, oh my god, we're gonna have this conference call with them on the following Tuesday, and, and we're gonna be shut down on Wednesday. <laughs> we're gonna have her going out of business. <laughs> yeah, so, so we didn't know it was gonna happen. We did it. So we, so we, uh, Ed and I met. We got on the phone with with Sony. It was their lawyers, uh, product. Uh, uh, I forgot what the name of her name was, product and merchandising. And they said, hey, we love your idea. Vince is very excited about it. Uh, here's a list of our suppliers. Uh, so basically, they gave us their licensed list of people to buy from. And we went from there. Uh, but then during our conversation with them, we said, but we know a lot of local artists who 
to have their take on Breaking Bad. And what? how is that going to play into this? Because we would love to sell their merchandise. Well, we were selling them. Well, we were selling them. Well, you know, mind you, all this, we're kind of, you know, playing it by ear as far as what we're going to tell these people. And so we basically told them that we have these artists that we're selling and we want to continue to sell their stuff. And they said, well, the, Sony was concerned about us damaging the brand name. And that was the thing. And so one of the things that we've always held true to over the last three and a half years is when people come to us and say, hey, we'd like to, you know, a local artist comes to us and says, oh, I'd like, I make this. Can we do it? We've turned down people because we think that the idea is, does cheapen. Uh, or, or we've seen it like a million times. Yeah. Like, why do I, you know, I want something unique. It's like if an artist comes in and they do something that's really unique, it's like, yes. And it's not, you know, cheapening Gilligan's vision. You know what I'm saying? So, so yeah. So the merchandise in the store is 80%. Uh, Sony merchandise and then 20% local artists. Um, so that's really how we get all the product and everything. And so uh, it, I hope that answers Yeah, yeah. And, and so what are your best selling items? I mean, you've got everything in there. And I think by now, I, I think I own just about one of everything uh, from neckties to t shirts, puzzles, glassware, pretty much, pretty much anything you can put a logo on. Uh, what, are, what are your best sellers? I will say, I will say what the biggest best, I, one of our best sellers, and we can't keep them in stock, is the world's second best lawyer tumblers. Yeah. We get those in and they're gone, first thing. But you have to remember, it's also uh, travelers. And so, you know, a lot of them are flying. So, shirts, because it's flat, you know, uh, a mug, you know, you could like tuck it in somewhere. Uh, but it, shirts are probably Stickers, our biggest. Magnets, yeah. yeah. Magnets. Yes. It, yeah. Now, that's the thing. Our store is, is geared for everyone. We call ourselves a fan experience, and I'm sure we're going to touch on that in a little bit. Um, but we get tourists from all over the world. And when I say all over the world, we're talking Russia, China, Japan, Australia, New Zealand, all Africa. over the world. People come to Albuquerque specifically because of Breaking Bad. And so this fandom isn't just a New Mexico, United States thing. It is a worldwide phenomenon. Well, that says a lot about the fandom right there. That that pretty much explains it all, the intensity of it, that people come to Albuquerque not for any other reason than just an amazingly good show that had a, a, a prequel and a movie, and that says it all to me. Now, go ahead. I was just going to say, we get people on a daily basis. Oh, we were driving north, mm -hmm. you know, the northern part of the state, but we actually drove two hours out of the way to come here. Just to, just to, because Breaking Bad is near. Breaking or Bad they're, they're in Colorado and like, oh my God, we're never going to be near New Mexico. Go south. Yeah. We're, we're in Breaking Bad land. Uh, we have people that are uh, uh, native to New Mexico and Albuquerque and they'll go out of state and their, their cousins or whatever, they'll be like, we're, uh, you're in Albuquerque? They're like, yes, Breaking Bad, get me something. And they have they'll come into the store because it's like they have to get something for their for their family and friends because uh, that's what they know Albuquerque for is Breaking Bad. We know? we had one of our one of our very first customers in our very first location came back to our store mm -hmm. uh, last year. No, that's, this year, this year it was last year. Last year came back to our store, and they were not even anywhere near Albuquerque, and they're from Iowa. They were coming down going back home from Idaho and they were going to Ohio. And you know, that isn't isn't anywhere near us. You said Idaho and Iowa. I don't did I say that? Yeah. No. I, they were coming from Idaho. There you go. And heading back home to Iowa. 
Oh, they're going to both. Okay. Yeah, but they came out of their way to come to our store again before they went home. Yeah, it's again, like you said, Nick, and this is what we say. People don't just come here. They pilgrimage here. Yeah, this is like they're they have to be here for this show. And, uh, you know, we get people broken English and they're like, you know, we come here uh, from wherever they come from because of Breaking Bad. This is why we're here. This is the only reason why we're here. Uh, it is. It's it's it, it it's this love for the show, obviously. And how, it's been ten years since it's almost <laughs> done. Well, I my other big passion is Route sixty six. Well, I have lots of passions, but that's a big one. And I know a lot of people who are traveling the Mother Road. Uh, they take an extra day in Albuquerque just to go track down some filming locations from. Breaking Bad, and not just the Americans, but also the international ones, because Breaking Bad was huge overseas as well. And and we all know that Netflix aired episodes the next day. We had to wait eight months to get it on, on Netflix. So <laughs> right. they they love it just as much as we do. Um, so, OK, let's talk about COVID here a little bit. Um, you wisely and some might say had to go online. During COVID, I mean, you just open your shop, and then all of a sudden, the governor's telling you, "Sorry, folks, we got to shut down." We all know the New Mexico governor was just a little bit stricter uh, than uh, the governor here in Texas, who was pretty much game game on. Uh, so, how did this affect you? And and are you still selling online? Mm-hmm. Well, it was the day that they announced the businesses were going to shut down. Uh, you know, you everybody were closing down. Uh, which, which, uh, Ed tells me, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? I was like, well, we've got to get an online store up and running now. Cause it was always in the plans, but we were like, oh, it'll, we'll do that later. Yeah. It was, it was a, you know, save it for a latter day. Yeah. And so Ed's like, we've got to get this store up and running. And so my brother, thank God he's an IT person. Uh, he got here, he came in and helped us and we got it up and running in two days. We were taking pictures of everything. We had to do like weights and everything for the shipments. And so we were doing all that. It, it it took a a couple of days and we, and thankfully we were in the small store. I don't know how long (laughs) it would take for the store we're in now, but we didn't have as much product. So we got to, you know, we just did it. And, uh, yeah, right away we opened up that online store. Uh, It wasn't great. I'm not going to say, you know, people again, you know, even though they were shut in and, you know, they still didn't want to spend because nobody knew what was going to happen. But and there were days where like, how much did we make? Um, Six bucks. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, It was it was scary sometimes. Well, the the good thing. And now one of the good things about, you know, during that time, again, the risk minimal. I was still working. I was considered an essential employee. So I was still working. Um, so we were okay in the fact that we were, you know, paying the rent, paying the, you know, all the stuff for the store, um, as well as, you know, our, our home life. Um, but it was, what are we going to do? I mean, you know, the rent's due tomorrow and we've only made $300 this month. Um, but the online store did help. And we had a lot of, we had some really good customers who repeat customers, repeat customers Mm -hmm. during that time who really saved our, our behinds they did i mean again it was uh there were there were some really bad days and then there was a couple of like really good days so if we got like a new product in we would put it out people would buy it and it was like that saved us uh yeah that online store did save us during those uh first few months um when we were in the shutdown yeah 
Um, a large portion of your store now is a museum, and we're we're up to like uh, third gen Breaking Bad store. You're kind of on the southwest corner of Old Town now. Um, tell us about how this all came to be. I I know you guys have put countless hours into getting all kinds of things, costumes, stage dress, scripts, anything that pertains to the show. And and the marketer in me, I, I get this. You know, the longer you can keep a person in the store, the more likely they are to spend money, right? Well, I mean, that that's never been our goal. That's the thing. We tell if if we did not have to pay the bills, yeah, the entire building would be a museum. It would all be a museum. Because again, Mark and I, again, we told you in the beginning, we were already fans of something else. We're super fans. So if Mark can go to a Star Trek convention in Vegas, or if I can go to Liverpool, that would make our day. So we want to do the same thing for people that come from other uh, states and other countries. If we could just do a museum, we would just do a museum. Yeah. But we have to pay the bills somehow. So that's where the store comes in. And yeah, you know, we have people, I used to tell people, uh, people used to kind of be like, I've been here for like three or four hours. You're not getting freaked out. It's like, no, that's what the store is for. That's what the, that's what, you know, we want you to experience it. This is your time. You probably won't be here tomorrow. Stay as long as you want, you know, but hey, I do close at five. <laughs> so yeah it's it, again the store and the museum is always going to be for the fans yeah. that's why we call it a fan experience we want you to enjoy it because ever since we started we've had people cry when they come in shout i've had big burly men in tattoos like even tell me don't freak out if i start crying i'm like it's okay man it's fine you're you're in good company you know, we've had people say this is the adult Disneyland. Better, they're, they're, better than NASA. Better than NASA. This is the mothership. It's, you Somebody know. Somebody walked in the other day and was like, oh, my God, I'm in heaven. Yeah. Now, the the thing was, was now, Nick, I'm not sure if you've been to the, you, you were ever at the other two locations. Yes. Uh-huh. I've been to all the of second them. Lo- the second location we had had a small little room off to the side of the main sales floor where we had a couple of photo opportunities where you could, you know, sit behind Saul's desk in Lolo's Poyos area, and a few things here, a few wardrobes here and there. And then we realized, wait a second, we're out of room. We, we've we outgrown this middle location. Uh, well, where are we going to go? And I just put it out in the, the, the universe there. I was like, does anybody know a realtor? And this guy came back and was like, hey, I know somebody. They put us in touch with them. And we told him what we were looking for. We said, hey, we need a bigger location, but we need to be in this area. The store will only work in Old Town, in the in the tourist area of Old Town, New Mexico, Albuquerque. And that's because you, you're not getting just the fans. You're getting people that are shopping for the fans. And that's another big part of our business is we get lots of customers come in. I've never seen the show, but my bro- my son is a huge fan or uh, my, you know, somebody's a fan or I'm buying for this person and so forth. Um so we found that we walked into this location. I remember they, they were like, we want to show you this location. We walked in and the minute we walked in, Ed and I both looked at each other and said, this is it. This is our new location right here. And again, people thought, are you crazy? You're moving a third time in what, a year and a half? Uh, crazy. And I, I remember my mom, she was like, don't do it. Don't do it. You, 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 you know, you're, you're taking too much, you know, in. Uh, but we just knew it's like we can't be in the in the store that we're at 
presently. Because again, uh, when we saw this door, the country was slowly opening up, but we knew once the world opened up, it's we can't handle this uh, where we are now. I mean, even in this store, if there are times where it's so jam-packed and the store is what, double the size of our last store? It, you know, and people say, I love when people come in and they're like, is the store, is the show still popular? And I, all I have to do is just, I, I lift up my arms and say, look around you, hello. Do you see everybody? You can't even walk in here. Yes, it's still popular. This is, you know, it's not like, you know, I, I'm, I'm uh, like saying, hello, is anybody out there? No, it's packed. During the pandemic, you were. Well, the pen, well, again, you were talking to the cats. I was talking to the cats when yeah. nobody was, you know, because nobody was in Old Town. But now it's like you you get all these people, you get droves of people coming in, you get all these fans, you get all these people that know fans. And it's, you know, uh, and the beautiful thing is they all come in, they see it when they walk in, and they all have big smiles on their faces. That's the beauty of the store. What are your long-term plans for the store? I mean, all these moves so far, that's a lot of work. It's never any fun moving, even if it's only just across Old Town. It's there's a lot of packing and unpacking and hauling. Not fun. I mean, do you have plans to grow some more, like maybe buy an empty Walgreens or CVS or something? I mean, yeah, that would be a lot bigger. Uh, you know, what do you, well, where are you going to go with this? Well, we, you know, uh, uh, currently we're here for two years. We we have a lease for two years, so we can't we can't leave for at least two years. Are there are there visions in our mind? Yes, there are. Are there locations in our mind? Yes, there is. Yep. Uh, I don't want to go any further than that. Is there plans? Is there plans? Yep. Yes, there is. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I always tell everybody, I'm Veruca Salt. I, I want more. I am never satisfied because I think if you ever just say, okay, we did it, you know, then you get to be complacent and people don't want to come back to that. I, I always told Mark when we were in our very first store, I said, I want to have a bigger museum. I want to have meet and greets. I want to do, I want to, I, I, I'm not going to say here because I don't want to give us, I want to do this and this and this. Well, we haven't gotten to this, this, and this yet. We've had the meet and greets. We've had the, now we have the museum, but we want to do bigger stuff. And, and uh, yeah, I don't, we're never we're done. Never, yeah, we're never done. Ever. It's like, we're, you know, we're done when I say we're done. Yeah. And, that, <laughs> and then when we're done, then we're going to be like, okay, we're, we're, we're good. Done. Yeah. yeah. How long do you think all this fascination with Breaking Bad will continue? I mean, I know there were people who said, oh, it'll all just die out after the show ends. And, well, here we are um, about a decade later. And, uh, and But here's the reality. Now that Better Call Saul Season 6 is out on Netflix, finally, I think it, it it's sunk in. It, we all know deep inside that this is truly over at least in terms of the content on television. Um, it's come and it's gone, or or has it? Well, you, you started the, the program with the very thing, don't people still go to Midnight Showings and Rocky Horror Picture Show? Don't, um, don't people still trek to the Brady Bunch house? And don't they go to the Lucille Muse, uh, Museum in uh, in Jamestown, New York? Yeah. Uh, do, do, don't people go to Star Trek conventions and they want to meet the original cast? Yes. Yeah. Uh, it's it it is now a lexic It is now part of the iconography of the the world. Yeah. It, it's it's it is now cult status. It is you know 
does it run 24 seven on television? Like, uh, you know, like Gilligan's Island and MASH and the other TV shows that you can turn on TV land or whatever. No, no, but it doesn't have to be because it's on Netflix. But AMC still will run uh, marathons like at least twice a year. Yeah. They don't have to do that. You know, I don't even think they even do that for Mad Men. They still do it for Walking Dead, but they don't even do it for Mad Men. Obviously, they still do it for Breaking Bad and for a reason. Yeah. So it's it, if you look back, it's just, if you look back at television history, there are those shows that stay with us. And this is one of the shows that's always going to stay with us. Right. Um, and the reason why you can tell that is because here we are 10 years later uh, and it's still there. The popularity is bigger than ever. Uh, you know, I'm sure if you, I don't know, I don't, are you able to pull numbers from streaming? I don't know. I'm sure Netflix can. It's, it's, it's all yeah. internal, easy, easily it, done. Um, it's still up there yeah. for Breaking Bad for Netflix. But, it's, it's still. But it's also, you know, list after list after list that comes out, the number one TV show of all time. Well, you know, uh, I can see uh, in the future, like maybe add another decade or so, and, and HBO Max getting into a, a bidding war with somebody else and wanting to pay $400 million to have Breaking Bad, just like how they got Friends. Friends, yeah. Yeah, Yep. exactly. Yep. I mean, and again, hello, like we said, Friends, people. What did Mark and I do <laughs> last year in New York City? We went to the Friends experience yeah. uh, because, you know, we're, we're still fans. And how Friends has been out even before Breaking Bad. Uh, you know, it's the Seinfeld tour. Seinfeld tour. I wanted to go to the cafe. I wanted to go to Monks, right? Seinfeld's been even over before Friends. Uh, it, it, there's specific shows that have that uh, staying power. Staying power. And it's, it is Breaking Bad. And it's and I think more people are going to say that it's going to be that for Better Call Saul as well. So um, plus plus generation after generation. So yep. So you know when Breaking Bad came out, kids were too young to watch it. The plague hit. Everybody was stuck at home. The parents were like, hey, by the way, you didn't see this show when it was on, but now you can. Let's watch Breaking Bad. Now, when these kids get older and they have their own children, they'll say, hey, you want to watch some great television? Watch Breaking mm -hmm. Bad. And, and it's going to hold up because the good thing about Breaking Bad is, one, the meth crisis isn't going anywhere. Um, secondly, we haven't started paying our teachers any more money or giving them better health insurance. Um, but it, it, does, it stands the test of time because if you go back and watch it and everything, there's nothing that locks it into the 2008 timeframe except for dates. Uh, you know, nothing, you know, it's not going to go out of. It doesn't. And I, and I remember somebody was saying that about, I love Lucy. They never talked about current events that was going around in the fifties. It was just whatever was going on at the show at that time, you saw it, you wanted to keep seeing it. It's, it's not like, um, uh, like mod, right. Mod is very much of that time of the seventies and stuff like that. You, I mean, people like mod, but it's not like this thing, like I love Lucy, where you want to keep watching it. That's breaking bad. It's not, you know, they're not talking about whatever was going on in 2010 or anything, you know, it's not like that. It's just whatever's going on then and there, yeah. you don't even have holidays on breaking bad. You know, you don't have like this, you know, Walter White, you know, have a they very never Christmas. Did a Christmas. They never did. No. Oh. You know, you don't see them uh, having a turkey day. So, you know. Well, that's bullshit. I mean, that, I mean, sorry, <laughs> language. Uh, but yeah, it's never uh, a Christmas tree. I always said the reason, another reason why I think with the store that we wanted to do something like this is because we, with everybody that we have known through the group, 
right? There, every time something new came out for, for Breaking Bad, like a toy or um, uh, a special edition, people were ravaged. They wanted it. And it's never, it never decreased. It was always like, I still want that, even though, you know, it's been gone. Ooh, they're doing a Breaking Bad Monopoly. I got to have it. Uh, they're doing a puzzle. Need it. So obviously there's still a hunger for this show for products. And, you know, it, so when we put out all this stuff for people to buy, when they come in, they're like, they tell us, I want everything in your store. I just can't afford it. I can't believe there's so much. Pro there, what we hear a lot of is, I can't believe there's so much stuff out there devoted to Breaking Bad. Yeah, and I'm glad we have it. So, yeah. After the break, we're going to pop into storytelling mode, so don't go anywhere. Blogs come in all shapes and sizes these days, and in more cases than not, it's just someone complaining about something. Rare Indeed is the blog that actually dives into the business and economics events of the day. Profspeak.com, the official blog of the Paul and Virginia Engler College of Business at West Texas A&M University, is just that. With a staff of seasoned and knowledgeable professors who write a new installment each week, it's not over the top like the others. It's on top of things. We'll look for you down at the corner of thought leadership and societal impact. Check it out at Profspeak.com and stay on top too. Reach for the stars and do it with a WT business degree in hand. For more info, find us at wtmu.edu slash cob or call 806-651-2500. From the Texas Panhandle to the world, we're here to help you reach those stars. Sometimes you just have to shake the tree and see what falls off. We're going to do that here in the final segment of the show and go more or less unscripted, I guess, if you will. Um, yeah, I'm looking at my laptop here and I got a few talking points typed in but I want Mark and Ed to slip into storytelling mode because I think that is pretty much their natural inclination they're full of stories and I'm going to just let them tell as many as they they want to here um, and one of the broader story arcs I do want to touch on is all the special guest star appearances that you've had at the shop and how do you how do you guys two normal guys from Albuquerque, albeit super fans, but still, um, how do you get all these popular cast members from the shows to stop by for photos and autographs? I mean, aren't these people like uh, above that kind of stuff? But but it seems not because you still get them. How tell us about some of these events and how you pulled them off? Oh, that's why I'm bald. <laughs> um, uh, that's why I drink. That's no, why I drink it. Uh, wow. <laughs> Again, one of the, like I said before, one of the things I always told Mark is when I when we can do a store, I I want to do meet and greets. Why? Is because you know Comic Cons. You can go to a Comic Con, but it's not really based upon a Breaking Bad. It's it's mostly based about comic uh, comic book people or illustrators or superheroes. You know. You, I want to change that with the store. So I want to I want to do things where people can I say, oh, my God, look what they're going to have at the Breaking Bad store. The, this person will never do something else. And that's it. Right. It was. Yeah. Just, well, I think I'm trying to think back. Who was our very first? Wasn't it uh, Jesus? Bayon? Was it yeah, our very first? No, one. I'm sorry. Strike that. I'm sorry, buddy. It was our grand opening day. We actually had uh, Steve and Michael Casada and um, um, and. Uh, um, Victor, uh, Jeremiah, Bitsui. Jeremiah Bitsui, they came and, and they wanted to meet everybody. So that, I mean, it wasn't quote unquote a, a meet and greet per se, but they just came out to meet the fans and to, you know, to, uh, celebrate the store. Right. And yeah. then, then the, and then even, even Jesus was, 
was he a, a did we it, set it up for we set it was, up, we, yeah. we set it for in our first story was Jesus he came in not Jesus you know uh die on the cross for your sins Jesus but Jesus Bayon who played Gonzo uh he came uh to the store and did some signing autographs some signings. and now if you can think of it the little store we had <laughs> was about 700 square feet if that and it was packed packed with people who wanted to meet him yeah crazy uh we never had anybody in the middle store no because again that was during COVID. there during COVID. nobody was doing meet and greets and we couldn't have that many people in the store anyway we were limited but did people which is a funny story to tell right there and that was when we turned aaron paul away we did tear we, did we turn, didn't know but we, we did turn him away yes so uh during COVID, we were limited to how many people could be in the store he was here filming the better call saul uh episode uh with him and brian was not supposed to be out of his house uh due to you know covid restrictions well him, not only that he it was supposed to be a secret that he was on the show yeah but him and his wife came to the store mm -hmm. uh you know they've got masks and sunglasses so you don't know who they are unless they talk to you and i was one of us was standing outside uh controlling how many people could go into the store and we were like i'm sorry we're full if you could wait just a moment, uh, when people, a couple of people leave, you can go in. And I think one person left and his wife did go in and look around. And I don't know if she shopped or bought anything. And but, he left. But he left. Taryn Paul stayed outside. And when she was done, they left. Yeah. And he never got to see the store. And he told us. He told us, yeah, I yep. was there. And yep. you all turned me away. Uh, it's And we're like, I can't even believe the fact that we turned uh, Aaron Paul away. So crazy. Well, not only that, but of course, Mark Margulis, yep. when he was here filming, he came to our store. He just was walking around Old Town because he loved to stay over at one of the local hotels, walking around Old Town, came over to our store because people told him, you need to go to your store. You need to go to the store. You need to go to the store. He goes over to the store. And I guess one of the employees had gone to the restroom or something and the door was closed. See, you know, back in five, 10 minutes or whatever. And he walked away. I walked all the way over there and they were closed. Yeah. And he walked away. And he walked away. So but the as far as your question with the meet and greets, we Mark and I have gotten actually pretty good. At first we were like, oh man, I, I don't even know how to get these people. But we kind of like built a a little bit of a network, network now with with uh people's agents. And and one of the benefits of what we've done is we spoil them when they're here so it's not like a comic-con where you have all these other uh celebrities we focus on them for the weekend you know we, we we make sure they're comfortable we make sure that they get taken care of whether it's at the hotel or at the store or for having dinner with them uh so they need not nothing so when their agents hear that it's like oh it was it was easy peasy they tell other people so People now, now they know it's like, oh, Mark and that. Okay, yeah, okay. We have a client. I think you'd be interested. Like, really? Yeah. So, and we still keep getting it. We, we still, still we actually, you know, it was funny because when we had the twins uh, this last time, when we decided to do the Salamanca reunion, mm -hmm. uh, the twins, we reached out to the twins to see if they wanted to do another kind of a meet and greet. And they were like, hey, yeah, how about we put you in touch with Mark's agent and maybe we can set up something where it can be, you know, us and, and Hector. And that's how that whole thing came about. So and again, Hector he Mark Margulis does not do these things. Yeah. And the reason why is his age, and of course he is afraid of getting sick. But he, he, to, he agreed to do this with because it was with them. And also, like he said to his agent, it's because it's the store. Yeah. And that was it. That's the selling point. So 
Uh, what better what better place to have the three of us together for the first time ever than at at the store at the store yeah mm. so. what about the principals you know uh, the the Brian's the Aaron's the 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 Bob and uh, uh, Ray uh, well, we're still a small uh, business there Nick <laughs> can can you write us a check Nick okay yeah. so by the time okay. we get to the fourth or fifth iteration of the store maybe uh, <laughs> yes. Odenkirk and I'm still, I'm, I'm, once I win the Powerball yeah. okay uh, okay. Then we'll but the, but the way, you know, we did find out some interesting things uh, in, in interactions with agents and stuff. We did find out that Brian, Aaron, Bob, Jonathan, and Betsy will not do private signings, will not do any type of meet and greets. Not private. Not, like a, like, like a, a meet and greet. greet. Like yeah. a meet and greet. Um, they will not do those. Um, plus. Unless it's, of course, they're tequila. Yeah. 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 Did, that's different. But, but then when Brian and Aaron do the Dos Hombres, they don't sign anything breaking bad. They don't. It's only Dos Hombres that right. they will sign. And they will tell you that. The people will tell them. Only Dos Hombres. They're only signing bottles of Dos Hombres. Um, now, we did, you know, you know, I'm just to throw a figure out there for you. To get Brian or Aaron to appear anywhere, it's going to run you about $150,000 just to get them in your building. Yeah. That's not counting any other. Airfare, Airfare hotel. Time. So uh, agents, uh, <laughs> wives, uh, you know, it's it, it gets up there. Yeah. And so, again, small business, uh, yeah. uh, still dealing with COVID. Uh. <laughs> I, it, so if you you know if you have one hundred fifty thousand dollars lying around, just <laughs> throw it our way. We'll get, we'll get Brian for you. So, uh, but you know that's that's one of the things that gets uh, it gets me about the fans is I don't think people understand uh, comic cons and they don't understand that you know those people don't go to a comic con for free. I mean, they don't just show up. Um, they want money. They want money. And so, you know, we we try to make the events free for the fans, unless the cost is just out of control for us. And then we have to recoup some of that. And that, you know, it, again, when we say recoup some of it, we're not recouping all of it. No. And, and so that's, I don't even know if it's even half. I know. <laughs> so, you know, that's where we say we're, no, that we're not doing this for the money. No. Uh, we're doing it's for, it for you because we want you to say, you know what? Oh, my God. Where would I have gotten a chance to have the twins who are uh, not only sign my stuff, but later on I can do a photo with them. They're in their suits. And Mark Margulis actually agrees to be in the wheelchair, and there I am standing with them. I mean, this does not happen. And That's we gave that to them. Yeah. Or when we had the UNM students, you know, we, we got them all in there so you can have a reunion, and we did a backdrop as if they were doing the Abbey Road. You can, you can be Saul in front of them, and and walk across the road as if they were going to the elementary school. Uh, we just want, you know, where else can you hang out with Lyle, the 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 actor who plays Lyle in our Los Pollos room, and he's behind the counter, and you get to chill with Lyle <laughs> with his broken ankle. Yeah, with I no mean, air, with no air conditioning. With no air conditioning. <laughs> but you know, it's we just want we like to do these things uh, because you can't do these anywhere else, and you can do it at the store. And we have people that, you know, when, because we're there with the actors and we hear them and they're like, yeah, I came from Wisconsin or I came from Florida just to come here. I came from New York. I, you know, I drove from who knows where, like Louisiana, because I'm never going to get this again. That's huge. And, 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 and when they hear that, they're like, are you serious for me? And they're like, yes, for you. Yeah, that's huge. Well, I, I cannot overlook the enormous amount of time and money you two have spent, personal money, to host all these fan parties, you know, either at your house or at fancy hotels. 
I've been to three of them, 2013, 2016, 2019. And when I heard you were doing one last shindig this coming September, I knew where I wanted to be. So what's the story on this? Why do you, why do, you do it? I mean, this is, this is huge. Um, you, you welcomed a bunch of complete strangers into your house in 2013. This is, you know, before you really, really knew a, a lot of us, and uh, you didn't know me. I mean, you knew me on Facebook, but that's it. Um, and I, I can't overlook the amount of decorating you guys did. That made a lasting impression. I took photos. Um, tell us about that, why you do this. And, and I guess most importantly for anybody listening, are there any available slots for the upcoming bash? Uh, well, now, if you went to 13, 16, and 19, so you went to the finale party, you went to the Breaking Saul Bash, mm-hmm. and the Soiree with a View. Mm-hmm. Or last one. The last one right. before the pandemic. Right? Yeah. Now, that one, that was actually kind of fun, that that Soiree was, because Patrick Fabian just yeah, showed up. Yeah, he did. That was and great. He just showed up and took pictures and autographs and actually got up there and talked. He was super nice. Uh, but uh, we do it because, well, one thing... You know, we Ed and I have been blessed over the years uh, to be able to do that stuff and to share it with so many people and bring a little bit of joy and happiness and bringing a group of fans together. Um, plus, Ed and I love to put on a show. We love to put we <laughs> love to plan parties. I mean, seriously. It, but right now, our parties now are the meet and greets. That's where we plan everything. And the store is taking up so much time. But we we always said if we can ever get through this fu- freaking pandemic. Let's do one more. Let's just end it and we'll have a great time. And that's what we always wanted to do. So we knew it was going to be this year and we're not going to, you know, we told everybody we're going to do it. So we can't like not do it. So uh, we usually have it in August where we thought, nope, September, we're going to do it the weekend of Breaking Bad finale. 10th anniversary. Because that's that's where it started for us. Yeah. It started for us with the finale 10 years ago. Where you came. Where you were here. And you were in the house. But this time, it's going to be at the, the downtown hotel. Where uh, Mark and I are, have, are right now, we're oh my just gosh. busy doing things. We want to, uh, we can't say, but we have a lot of things planned. And um, it's. On, on a daily basis. On a daily basis. On a daily basis, I come home or I'm in the other room or something. And Ed goes, I have an idea. Yeah. I'm like, oh no. Oh no. I mean he What am I gonna have to wear this time? Yes. <laughs> but it's fun. It's fun to do. And you know, when you have I mean, I would I would love it if we can invite, you know, a thousand people, but you know, it's like we can only do so much. So we have about two hundred seats. Uh not left. No, no, no. No, no, no. We have, no. We have less than total. I don't actually it's since actually, believe it or not, I am not sure how many seats we have left because We've been, you know, we we just finished up with the meet and greet with the the Salamancas, and that was taking up all of our time. And yep. so now we're just kind of getting back into party planning. Party planning. And I, you know, the last time I looked, we only had like thirty seats left. Yeah. Um, Could which, be less. Which Nick, I'm sorry, we had to give away your seat. Oh no. <laughs> no, of course not. No, absolutely not. No. Um, I, I could but, jo- I could know, join I, kitchen I, staff or something, couldn't I? The- <laughs> But we, we we hope that we hope that this send off is everything everybody expects. You know, people always say, "Well, are there going to be any stars there? Is there going to be people there?" Hmm. We don't well, know. We don't know. And I always tell everybody, it's "Why do you need it? Yeah, you're the star, Nick. You are the celebrity. The person sitting next to you, you're the celebrity. We don't need uh, people from the show because you know. I mean, granted, yes, who wouldn't? But 
Mark and I think of you all that have been with us all these years as the celebrities. You guys are the ones that shine and get us to where we want to do these things. So, and, and, you know, you all get a meal, you get drinks, you know, we're going to give out tons of prizes because you are the ones that we are catering to. Yeah. You know, we're working for you that night, you know, that's what we're doing all these, all these weeks and months. We're working to make sure you all have a good time. And uh, if, if, if anybody shows up, well, they show up, but if not to heck with it. Yeah. Yeah. And, to, and, and work is what it is going to be because Ed's already got so much for me to do. <laughs> Well, I'm looking forward to this. This is going to be fun. But um, one other thing I want to hit on is some critics said that Breaking Bad kind of reinforced a negative image for Albuquerque. You know, Albuquerque has taken a bad rap for, you know, having drug problems. And they, they felt like Breaking Bad just kind of shined the light on it all. And I'm not so sure about that. Um, I, I like Albuquerque a lot. I think it does take an unnecessary bad rap. I've never felt unsafe there. I know bad things happen, but ha bad things happen in Amarillo too. I just, I just know how to uh, take care of myself in the city. It's, it's not that big a deal. But what, are your, what are your thoughts on this? Do you, what about the people who said it? Uh, the show actually hurt Albuquerque's bad image or reinforced it. They did. They did not watch the show. Mm -hmm. Yeah, plain and simple. If you if you watched Breaking Bad and all you took out of it was, oh, Albuquerque has a meth problem or there's a crime problem, you did not watch the show for what it was intended for. Um, but if you Albuquerque, I mean, as far as you know, everybody complains about crime everywhere. Um, is Albuquerque worse than any other city? Probably not. Um, is it might be less. Um, the drug problem, we are definitely not the meth capital of the world. No. Um, you know, there's which is ironic. People think we are. And I'm like, actually look it up. It's Phoenix. Yeah. Phoenix is a bigger <laughs> drug drug uh, meth, meth, meth yeah. user than you know we're not even in the top five. So, you know, I go back and you know, if you know, I watch we watch Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul every day at the store. Um because we have it up on the monitors. But my thing is if you really watch it, there the drug use is not that much in it. They're selling the drug, but the drug use is not that big. Um, there are a couple of scenes, you know, when Jesse goes to the the crack den and and when him and Jane are shooting up. But then when you really go back and look at it, there's hardly any drug use in the series. Um, I'll also say this. When it was on, yeah, there was a lot of locals. They were not happy. They were complaining. Uh, but now it's very limited. Like when the statues came up, there was some people. But let me tell you, now a lot of people will get onto those people that are saying that because they know now. And not only that, uh, now that it is this huge uh, vacation area and people are spending money not only in our store, but they're spending in other stores for other things. They are using, they are going to uh, hotel and motels. They are getting uh, rental cars here. Uh, all that money is generating something. So they know now it's like we wouldn't have all this income, all this, you know, if it were not for Breaking Bad. So now they all shut up. <laughs> Right, because it's like, yeah, we're the, getting the money yeah, now. The tour, once the tourism dollars start flowing, everybody's happy. I mean, hello, why would you know the mayor is over there, you know, hyping the statues? So you know, if you have political figures, you know, just talking about how great it is, they know, they all know, and it, they know that uh, it's not just the balloon capital wall. It is Breaking Bad. Albuquerque is breaking bad so well i i think it's ironic that nobody in central missouri is complaining 
about all the criminal misdeeds that we saw in Ozark. I mean, the, the shows are kind of parallel in many regards, um, but I never heard that about Missouri. I mean, of course, it was filmed in Georgia, but um, it, it, it was about the Ozark area, and, and there was just as much bad stuff, as much bloodshed uh, as on Breaking Bad, but nobody said anything about that. I, I think it's just, again, people just looking for ways to bitch and moan. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's uh, right. And who's never watched it. And, and they've never watched they, it. All they got is the thing of, you know, oh, it's about math. Well, that's it. Oh, it's bloody and gory. That's it. You know, that's all they think. So tell us about your favorite filming locations. There's, you know, dozens and dozens and dozens. Probably well, it's in the hundreds between uh, Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul. And maybe some of the interesting stories or people you've met along the way. What are your favorite places that appeared in the show? Oh, uh, Mike's final. Uh, oh, let me die. By the river. I love that. Yeah. It's very calm. Uh, I love the railroad. The train for, scene. The, the, uh, Todd. Oh, Dead Freight. Yeah. Dead love, Freight. Love that location. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. That's up near Santa Fe. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Tahajali. Tahajali, mm-hmm. yeah. even even if you go out to Tahajali to be there for Breaking Bad, just the the area, the landscape, it's just a beautiful, beautiful place to Quiet. go. Quiet, um, you know, and 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 to just be out there on that native land is just beautiful. Um, if you want to go to like local, like you know, go, you know what, you know what was a fun place to go film a film location, fun film location was the nail salon. Yeah, Saul's office was. <laughs> I went in there and, you know, if we ever, if we, if we go to uh, locations and we, you know, have to go inside, we always like to, you know, uh, compensate. We like to buy something or do something. And so I went in, I actually got a, uh, you know, pedicure, sat in the chair, got a pedicure, had a good time, you know, but that was fun because they, they loved it. They, they thought it was fun that these people wanted to come in and see their place. Yeah. Um, so that was, and that is in a very rundown, sketchy part of town. Oh, it is. Yeah. Um, which they're filming something else there right now too. Um, but, you know, I think they like the fact that these fans are coming there because they're overlooked a lot because of where they're at. And I do believe that's also one of the reasons why Vince chose that location or, or the locations department chose it was because how run down it look, it is. Yeah. Because of course it, it fits in Jimmy's you yeah. know, time frame at the time, you know, he's, he's a down and out lawyer trying to make it. So uh yeah there's uh, a lot of locations but yeah those those ones are kind of those are they my favorite yeah. yeah they're they're just uh, unique as far as people uh, you know i wish i could uh you know nick of course um you were mentioning uh mark uh he's a joy james um, james gillette oh my God. those are like the top two when you're talking about locations uh i'm lucky that we we kind of like we're kind of like not doing the locations anymore when we kind of met them because you know we were just going to them they came in and they redefined it we can't do all that yeah. stuff uh there's just so many i i, I just man, I think everyone we've met they're all unique they're all yeah different personalities different people they're beautiful um uh, and, and the love yeah. the love that they have for each other and and the fact that it can we, be- we they become best a lot of people become best friends mm-hmm. because of our groups you know they they they've clicked They've, uh, you know, uh, I think a few of them have even dated uh, with each other. Um, I don't think it worked out, but, you know, <laughs> they still dated. Uh, so, um, again, I will always say this, and this is so true. 
if it wasn't for one person, I don't even know what Mark and I would still be doing this because when, when we first, when we were talking to you earlier, we were saying, you know, we had like 20 people in our first group. A lot of them were just, they didn't even watch the show. They were just being kind to us just to be kind. We had our first person and she lives, she lives in upstate New York. Her name is Joanne. She knows who she is. And we call her our lucky penny because she, when she started, when she came onto our group, everything just started to grow. And I always, every time, you know, every time we, we kind of do something, I always, you know, I always think of Joanne. She's, she's very special. She's going to be at the party. We asked her to come join us. She's, I haven't seen her. We haven't seen her in years. But we haven't seen her since, since the finale. Party. Yeah. And it was like, we get to see her again. We're going to see a lot of people that we haven't seen because they want to come to this uh, party. But, you know, there's like Jenny, right? Yeah, uh, the, the fan uh, Tommy, uh, Lori. You know, we have like so many people. Uh, Teresa, there's um, uh, name some, you know. Oh. It, it's, it, it's just beautiful people that we've met. And some of them all the way back to 20, what? 2010. Yeah. yeah. So, if you and if you don't know Joanna, she's the one who came up with Mythopoly. Yeah. Uh, that Hasbro sent her a little cease and desist letter. Yeah. <laughs> I, I've, I've met her. Yeah. That was, pr that was pretty interesting. You know, and, you know, I didn't even mention the watch parties that you guys had for Better Call Saul over at Tractor Brewing. I was able to make a couple of those. Those were a lot harder for me to get to because they were on a weeknight and I had this, I had this pesky little thing called a day job that I, I needed to get to, uh, you know, by Tuesday morning. And it's a four hour drive. So, and, and the great thing about the the viewing parties was we weren't just doing it to watch the show. We were also doing it for a local charity um, that we always, you know, that we supported. And the fans that would turn out for that and support them, I mean, the, the amount of money that was raised because of the community that Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul brought together, that's what was really important about all of it. So And it was fun to be up there and you get to, uh, what you know, you feed off of the audience right so mark and i would just feed off of them and say "Ooh, i think we can go off of this we just said this joke and people loved it we'll just continue it throughout the night or you know that didn't work so we won't say that anymore uh we'll come dressed up like this tonight because they did that last week on the show we just we, we again it, it's sort of like uh, our summer party where we would get up on stage but this was every week and we you know we did it for an hour to an hour and a half whatever how long the show was it was fun it was so much fun and we would pack that pack that house yeah that <laughs> house that that house was packed. that house was packed yeah finally how have your lives changed because of breaking bad I retired yeah. from my job after 22 years. Um, I didn't expect to. I expected to be working for another at least five or 10 years. Um, you know, we never would have been business owners because of Breaking Bad. Mm -hmm. um, we wouldn't have had this opportunity uh, to make a dream come true. Uh, I don't think we'd know the people that we knew, we, the, that we knew, that we know. Um, and I, I think that is the big biggest part of it. It is, yeah. I, we both quit our jobs, started this business. Didn't know where it was going to take us. Had had no clue what did, we were doing. And we get to meet <laughs> fans 
telling us their stories. I always tell people, I feel like I'm a bartender sometimes because they want to tell their stories. They need to get it out, right? Whether they are just big fans or how they got started or if they're cancer survivors or they're drug survivors or they're teachers, uh, they tell us, or lawyers even, yeah. they want to tell us every aspect, you know, and it's always different. Uh, that's something that, yeah, I, it's, it's so unique. And then, uh, hello, I, I, I get to hang out with these people that I used to just be like, oh my God, I'm, I'm seeing them on the screen. And now they're like hanging with us in our car or, or, or dinner. Or, or calling me on the phone going, you know, Mark, I was looking for a place that had really good chorizo for breakfast and I can't find, and I'm like, Raymond Cruz just called me out of the blue to yeah. talk to me. It's just bizarre. And yeah, just, just this, yeah. this surreal life that we're living right now. I mean, I, I got a text, I told Mark yesterday, it was like, uh, I got a text from an actor yesterday and he's like, who? And I told him, he's like, really? I was like, <laughs> just out of the blue, he contacted me. It's just, you know, you get these, just, it's very surreal. But Mark and I, we don't let it get to our heads. We know where, what this store is all about. It's always going to be for the fans. It's, it's, it's never going to turn us into these, like, you know, whatever. I mean, yeah, yeah, I mean, we got invited by the creator to go to Better Call Saul Season 6 premiere in L.A. Uh, who gets this, right? It's so weird. But, we, but after that's over... We come back home, we still take out the garbage, and we still got to go to work the next day, and we'll still, you know, uh, talk to all of you that, that want to come in. Oh, all of you. All of you. All, <laughs> all of you stars. All, all, all you customers. All you customers. We love you. It's <laughs> always going to be like that. Wow. Keep going. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Oh, <laughs> I can stop. I was interrupting you. Tell, tell us the last of the story, and then uh, oh, well, I'll wrap up. You know, up. The, the, the thing was, was, because of the people that we we've met over the years through the groups and everything, you know, lifelong dreams have come and tr have come true for us. For me, uh, because of a friend that we have in Santa Fe, she introduced us to Rex Lynn, who plays Kevin Wattell on Better Call Saul. But by introducing us to him, I got to meet one of my favorite singers of all time, Reba McIntyre. So it just it's just this this whole surreal environment. Uh, that has come through our life, and to say that we're blessed is an understatement. Yeah, I mean, hello, we get we get packages from from Vince. Yeah, who gets packages from Vince? <laughs> I mean, it's so surreal. It's and what we do is we could always say, oh no, this is ours. No, what we do is we say, you know what, share the wealth. We're gonna put it in the museum. We're gonna let people see it, and they want to, if they want to take pictures, you can take pictures anywhere you want within the store. You can do whatever you want that's legal. It's fine. This is your store. You know, I always say the store now is bigger than Mark and I. It has its own entity now. We're just, I, I just feel like Mark and I are just employees that's in this it. store. We're just, we're just the store is the big star now, or I mean, what it is. We're just people that go in and we open up the lights and people come in and walk, look at the store. So, and it'll always be that way, no matter where location we're at, where the crazy stuff we do. <laughs> well, that's kind of sad. <laughs> Man. I don't even want to go to work tomorrow. The end. <laughs> we have managed to fill about two hours with some amazing <laughs> oh storytelling, and I hate to draw it to a close, but um, you know, we could probably go all night here. But I'm, I'm, I'm a, 
I'm afraid we might lose some listeners along the way. So um, <laughs> like, oh, I turn them off. Now. What, like a what I'll do. Yeah, that's right. We lost them. I hope not. No, I, I want to tease listeners by saying if you want to hear some more stories, you just need to hustle on over to Albuquerque and go to the Breaking Bad store. My guests today have been Edward Condelaria. See, I said it again, just right. Yeah. yeah, and Mark Smith, the owners of the one and only Breaking Bad store in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Give us your best shot, guys. I have I have even more stories. So come and ask me. Just, you know, just honestly, don't ask me about licensing. Yeah. <laughs> ask me about anything. Else. I will tell you, you know, stories. The, the, yeah. If you come in, do not. These are the two questions you do not want to ask us when you come in the store. How did you get all the licensing rights? And have any of the actors been in the store? Yes. Don't ask those questions. We're good after that. I'll, <laughs> I'll be your little, uh, uh, you know, I'll, I'll be your little go-to guy throughout the time you're in that but, store. But, you know, th- Nick, thank you for taking the time to talk with us. I mean, inviting us. Yes, thank you so much. And thank you for being here. I look forward to seeing you uh, in, in late September for that 10th anniversary One Last Time party. You've been listening to Buff Speak from the Paul and Virginia Angler College of Business at West Texas A&M University. Our executive producer is Justin Lovell, and Allison Hunter is our associate producer. Our co-editors are Maverick Evans and Paul Torres. Lindsay Bjork is our director of marketing and outreach initiatives, which includes overseeing Buff Speak. Dr. Jeffrey Babb is director of accreditation and is our technical consultant. Finally, Dr. Amjad Abdullah is Dean of the College. You can find us online at wtamu.edu cob for more information about our programs. Be sure to check out our many academic offerings. Come for the quality, stay for the small classes, affordable tuition, and friendly approachable professors. And look online at our faculty blog, profspeak.com, for more insights. You can listen to BuffSpeak on your favorite podcast portal, as well as on our website, buffspeak.biz. And if you like what you've been hearing, don't be afraid to share us with your friends, colleagues, and family. Word of mouth has always been the best form of advertising. Until next time, love one another. For the Paul and Virginia Angler College of Business at West Texas a and University, I am Dr. Nick Gerlich. And as always, go Buffs! Buff